the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. What a great show we have today. But before I go any further, I think Voice America had something else they had to play. I think, Andy Imperato, it's your birthday today. Yes, it is. Thank you, Joyce. That's very kind of you to uh, recognize that. And you probably thought I would forget that it's your birthday today, but even at Voice America we know it is the birthday of Andy Imperato, who, see how great he is? He's the guest today on our show. You all know who Andy is, but if you don't, you are in for a treat and an education today Andy Imperato, President and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. I'm so honored to have Andy on the show. He is a great American leader for people with disabilities, really throughout the world. He is just a champion. He lives it every single day. I am very blessed that I can say he is a friend of mine, but I can tell you he's a friend of yours, and he is today celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday, Andy, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Well, Andy, I want to say before I ask you this next question that I was thinking about this. You know, when I first met Andy many years ago, he was with uh, the National Council on Disability, uh, and of course Andy is an attorney and he was doing work for them, and you know, I was so excited and honored. I got to meet Andy when I was on the board of the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities, and then through the years, I just saw Andy continue to move and move and rise, and now here he is today, you know, the CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, www.aapd.com, but I have to tell you, Andy, that we are all so proud to have you as the head of AAPD. Well, thank you, Joyce, and I'm delighted to have you as an officer on my board of directors for, I don't know if your listeners know, but Joyce was elected at our board meeting in June to be our board treasurer, and we're delighted to have her in that role. And it is my honor. It is my honor. But, Andy, you know, many people have disabilities, but they obviously don't all decide, I'm going to be an advocate. So for our listeners listening to the show today, especially if they haven't heard you speak before, you know, what made you decide to become an advocate? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I, I wasn't very political or very policy-oriented until I got to law school, and it happened pretty quickly when I got to law school, but I, I realized that I wanted to use my law degree to try to, you know, help people that did not have easy access to lawyers. And my first job after law school was working in legal services in the Boston area doing uh, direct uh, representation of clients in disability benefit hearings in front of the Social Security Administration. And I learned about a Supreme Court decision that made it easier for children 
to qualify for benefits. I ended up doing a project implementing that decision in Massachusetts. And while I was doing that work, you know, my own personal experience with bipolar disorder was playing out. I was having episodes of depression and kind of hypomania. And I realized that there was a connection between what I was doing with my clients and what I was going through personally. And it just kind of felt like I I had found a calling. And, you know, Tony Coelho, our mutual friend, often talks about his disability work as a ministry. And a lot of ways that's the way I I see my career. You know, I, I feel like I'm doing the work that God intended for me to do, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Well, you definitely listen to the calling, and I'll tell you, the thing I can tell you about Andy, I know Andy very well, and you know, just so you know, this about Andy and AAPD, it isn't like Andy just talks about this for certain occasions. You know, it isn't like situational uh, policy beliefs or situational passion. This is Andy all the time, 24 by 7, and so is the staff and board of AAPD. You know, if you don't know AAPD, as you're listening to the show, go to www.aapd.com. You know, it's so important that we get more and more members and that you get behind it. But, Andy, I'll let you tell the listeners a little bit about AAPD, uh, the size and the mission, you know, and, and, and really, in your opinion, what it's all about. Well, you know, I think the history is important, and we were founded on the fifth anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act by a number of the top leaders in the disability movement, people like Bob Dole and Justin Dart and I. King Jordan and John Kemp and Paul Hearn. They all got together, and they decided that when this community, which is very diverse, comes together, people with epilepsy, people with psychiatric disabilities, people with intellectual disabilities, blind people, deaf people, you know, the full spectrum of our community, when folks come together with our family members and our supporters, we are a very powerful constituency. And they founded AAPD, really modeled after AARP, to be an individual membership organization that could bring those diverse constituencies together so that collectively we would have more power politically, socially, and economically. So that's really what the organization exists to do. It exists to bring people together so that we have more power. And, you know, ultimately we want to use that power to be a force for change in society so that people with disabilities have more opportunities, but so that everybody in society can benefit from having a society that works for everyone. And, you know, if you look at the architectural changes that have been brought about by the disability movement and the Americans with Disabilities Act, that's making our society work better for everyone. So, I, you know, at some level we're trying to bring power to disabled people and our family members, but on another level we're trying to make America live up to, you know, its best hopes and its best dreams for everyone. You know, disability, unlike a lot of categories, is something that people can, uh, we're a community that people can join at any time in their lives that they can move in and out of. You can have a child with a disability. One of your, your parents or your siblings can acquire a disability. So most of us have some personal experience with disability over the course of our lives. But uh, a lot of times when it happens, we're not ready for it. And part of the reason we're not ready for it is because we still live in a society that doesn't want to acknowledge it and doesn't want to plan for it 
and doesn't want to embrace people that are living with disabilities, and that's really what AAPD is trying to change. And, and you know, uh, you mentioned some of the people that, you know, founded it. When you were talking about AAPD and how you're trying to bring everyone together, without question, I, I think that was one of the greatest strengths of Justin Dart, his ability to bring people together. That, to me, is one of his greatest strengths. And Yoshiko Dart, his wife, is still very, very involved in the disability community and such a big supporter of AAPD and of you, Andy. And I know, Yoshiko, that you're listening to the show today, and I'm going to tell you that you are also still living it. But don't you agree with me, Andy, that Justin had that, bring, you know, bringing different groups together no matter what they thought? There's no question. And, you know, Justin played a huge role in getting AAPD off the ground. He also played a huge role in grooming me as a disability advocate and a disability leader. And, you know, the, the most important thing that I learned from Justin was leadership in our community has to be characterized by love. And I remember I was listening to Tavis Smiley's radio show Recently, and he he quoted Cornell West on the topic of leadership, and he said that you can't lead people if you don't love people, and you know I think that that's that's really a great message, and it was definitely something that Justin Dart understood deeply. So true, those words are so true. When you think of great leaders, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, no matter who it is. That is what everyone had in common, that we're great leaders, and it is, you know, love thy neighbor, really meaning it, really caring for all people, all levels, no matter who they are. And, Joyce, the other part of that quote uh, that, that I thought also was important, and it really did characterize Justin, he said that you can't lead people if you don't love people, and he said you can't save people if you don't serve people. And, again, I mean, if you look at the amount of time that Justin spent and the amount of time that Yoshiko to this day spends serving other people, and in Yoshiko's case, she's investing a lot of personal time trying to cultivate the next generation of disability leaders, a lot of time with young people. Uh, that whole concept of leadership through service, again, is something that Justin exemplified and I feel is very important for our community. Uh, and I agree with you, 100%. I agree with you. Uh, Andy, we have an email question here for you from a listener in Georgia, Georgia from a Nicole. And the question is, uh, Andy, congratulations on all the work you do trying to help those of us with psychiatric disabilities move forward. My question is, why is it in this country that people with psychiatric disabilities are treated so differently than if you have a physical disability? Well, you know, I think part of it is the the whole phenomenon that I think people have a tendency not to believe something that they can't see. So if you have a disability that is apparent to the general public, you know, if you're using a white cane, if you're in a wheelchair, if you've got some other condition that's very easy for the average person on the street to recognize, uh, they have a tendency to believe that it's real. Uh, when you have conditions that are not as easy to see, a lot of times there's a tendency to not believe that they're real. <clears throat> the other thing that I think we're fighting in the psychiatric disability movement is the fact that most of the, the most, uh, you know, 
sought-after spokespeople on mental health issues are not people with psychiatric disabilities. You know, when members of Congress want somebody to testify about mental health policy, they go to the American Psychiatric Association, they go to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, they go to Mental Health America, they go to any number of groups, and those groups give them spokespeople who don't talk about their personal experience with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or some other psychiatric condition. And I think until we have people with psychiatric disabilities speaking for ourselves, educating the public from our first-person perspective, we're going to continue to reinforce the stigma that people with psychiatric disabilities are not capable of speaking for themselves. And I really do think... That's a difference between the psychiatric disability world and the physical disability or the sensory disability world. To a large degree, people with physical disabilities speak for themselves. People with sensory disabilities speak for themselves. But in the, in the psychiatric and in the intellectual disability area, we still have a lot of quote-unquote experts who come in and try to speak for us. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, you know, I just want to mention as you know, I have epilepsy, and as my listeners know, you know, it's the same thing. If you're not having a seizure, you know, people have a tendency to think, well, do you really have a disability? I mean, you, you know, you have to, I, I always say to people, I, I guess it's time to fall down in front of you before you believe this. But that is true. Whenever you have a hidden disability, sometimes there are other issues that you have to deal with. But uh, you know what? Just believing in yourself and not being ashamed of your disability. And as Andy said, getting out there and being an advocate, speaking up, you know, about whatever the issue is, just empowers you so much. It really does. And I hope we get more people, as Andy said, in Congress that will do the same thing. I know we have one great leader that we can talk about a little bit later in the show, but right now we're going to go to break. If you just tuned in, Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky because we have as our guest today Andy Imperato, CEO and President of the American Association of People with Disabilities, a true champion in the civil rights area, and today celebrating his birthday. We'll be right back. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. 
Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! Try it. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We have as our guest today... Andy Imperato, President and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. And Andy, we were talking about AAPD and how it is a cross-disability organization uh, for people listening to the show, people who are not yet a member of AAPD, that I expect them to just hang up and join AAPD when this show is over. But would you mind telling them, a person listening to the show, what are some of the benefits to a person with a disability joining AAPD? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think one of the, the most important benefits that we provide is connecting people with disabilities around the country to what's happening in Washington and what's happening in other parts of the country that directly affects their lives. You know, I mean, I think the best reason to join AAPD is because you recognize that you're going to have more power and your life is going to get better 
if you work with other people with disabilities around the country and our family members so that we're operating together as a voting block and as a market. If you look at our programs, we do leadership development programs, we do mentoring and career exploration, get out the vote in a nonpartisan way, public policy advocacy and research, and member benefits like loans to help people finance accessible transportation, like our quarterly newsletter. But the more members we have, the better those benefits are going to be. So right now we have about 180,000 members around the country. The benefit that's helping bring us a lot of new members is a partnership with the credit union called the Digital Credit Union, where people can join AAPD, join the credit union, and get approved for loans all in one transaction. So the credit union makes loans for accessible transportation. They've made over $150 million in loans in that area to AAPD members. They also make loans in the area of helping people live more independently. They call those access loans, but it could be for home modifications or durable medical equipment or assistive technology. So, I mean, there's there's tangible and intangible things, but I feel like the best reason to join is because you want to have more power and you want to be part of something bigger than yourself that can help improve society for everyone. And I will tell you, this is so important, this organization. Not only do you get all this information about what's going on, not only do you get the benefits Andy talked about and get to work with other people, I am telling you, you know, if you want to go join a group that has the power, that is the voice in the United States for Americans with disabilities, this really is the group. I must tell you that Andy has put together so many great people on the board, but the chair of the board, Cheryl Sensenbrenner, is absolutely outstanding. Another person who was on our show, but that is really living the life and walking every day. Of course, she is the wife of uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner. And then Ted Kennedy Jr., another person who is so dedicated to AAPD and everything that's going on. But I remember, Andy, when I went to one of your events that you have in July where you honor different uh, either senators, congressmen, or CEOs. I remember, I think it was, um, did you give did you give Smith an award? One? Yeah, Senator uh, Gordon Smith from Oregon. Yes, you gave him an award one year, right? Yep. I think it's him that he went up to the microphone and said, um, Andy, I don't think there is a senator or congressman that doesn't know who Andy Imperato and AAPD is. And when I was sitting there and I heard it, I thought, you know what, that just says it all because this is finally a group, finally, where Americans with disabilities can really have a voice that is really heard. So, I mean, I can't stress to you enough how important it is. And I'll give you an example right now. There's a wonderful and great event that occurred this July 26th, the introduction of the Americans with Disabilities Restoration Act. As all of you know, if you've been listening to my show, you know that over the past decade, the ADA was very weakened through the Supreme Court rulings. And Tony Quello has for years been working behind the scenes, one person, on trying to, you know, get the ADA Restoration Act. And finally, it was introduced. Andy, I want you to explain to our listeners how important this is and the need for this to be passed, and also what everyone listening to the show should do 
to help make sure the president signs this? Well, thank you. I mean, you know, this is a very important piece of federal legislation that is designed to restore the law the way that it was intended by Congress when it was written in 1989 and passed in 1990. And, you know, what's happened, uh, particularly starting with three Supreme Court decisions that came down in 1999, is the federal courts have really whittled away at the protected class. So anybody who is functioning well with their disability is at risk of being found by courts to be functioning too well to have civil rights protections in the workplace. And it just makes no sense. We've got lots of cases involving people with epilepsy, diabetes, various forms of cancer, depression, uh, people who use prosthetics. We had a case recently involving somebody with an intellectual disability who was on Social Security disability benefits, and the court said he was functioning too well to have civil rights protections under the ADA. There is no other federal civil rights law that punishes people because they're too qualified. It makes no sense. It's just bad policy. It's one of these situations where bad facts make bad law. There was a case in front of the Supreme Court where they didn't want to say that people who wear eyeglasses are are people with disabilities. So they said when you're looking at how they're substantially limited, you look at them with whatever mitigating measures they use. So in that case, if you can see 2020 with eyeglasses, you don't have a claim under the ADA. Well, that same analysis has been applied to people who take medications, people who use prosthetics, other strategies for managing their symptoms, and the courts are saying that if you're functioning well, you're not disabled enough to have civil rights protections. And then the evidence that you introduce to try to show that you're disabled enough gets used against you on the issue of whether you're qualified for the job, even if the employer didn't know that information when they took the adverse action. So it's just a really bad situation that was not intended by Congress. I think if you ask the bipartisan members of Congress who voted for the ADA, does this law protect people with epilepsy? They would say yes. Does this law protect people with diabetes, people with depression, people with bipolar disorder, amputees, people with intellectual disabilities? They would have said yes, 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 and the courts have said no, 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 and it's just wrong, and we're going to change it. And we've got 180 members of the House, including 40 Republicans, who are co-sponsoring the legislation that was introduced on July 26th, it's called the ADA Restoration Act. You can get a lot of information about it on our website at aapd.com. There's also a lot of good information on the Epilepsy Foundation's website at efa.org. And, you know, I, the, if, to answer your question, what can people do about it who are listening, educate your members of Congress. First, get yourself educated so you know what the issues are, uh, you know uh, you know what the how we're talking about the legislation and what it does, and then Call your member of Congress and say thank you for co-sponsoring this legislation if they're co-sponsoring it and say why aren't you co-sponsoring it if they're not. And you can see an up-to-date list of who's co-sponsoring it on our website at aapd.com. But I think what we're in a mode right now where we have to educate our members of Congress and educate the media and through the media educate the general public that there's a serious problem that needs to be fixed. And, you know, our hope is that this will, will make it through the House and make it through the Senate and get to the President in time for him to sign it next year. And the reason that we're hopeful about that is we've got great champions in the House and Senate. In the House, the people who are leading the charge are Steny Hoyer, who's the Democratic Majority Leader, who was the 
prime uh, supporter of the ADA in the House the first time around, and the uh, the Republican lead is Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner, who in the last Congress was the chair of the House Judiciary Committee and is a very you know well established leader in the Republican caucus in the House. In the Senate, we've got Senator Harkin, Senator Kennedy, and Senator Specter all co-sponsoring it. They're all senior members who have a lot of leadership, a lot of history with the disability community, and we feel like with this team championing the legislation, there's a good chance we can build the bipartisan support to get it passed. And by the way, I am so proud of Senator Specter. Thank you again, Senator Specter, as I'm from the state of Pennsylvania. You know, I heard him speak in an event, Andy, and I asked him. It was at the African American Chamber of Commerce. I asked him what he support. Uh, you know, the the um, ADA Restoration Act, and he said, I, I said, do you think it would get passed? And he said, yes, he would be a supporter. And boy, he really did come through. Well, and, and I, I mean, I really think we need, as a community, to recognize that Senator Specter is the lead Republican on the Community Choice Act. He's one of the Republicans that's been supporting adding people with disabilities to the federal hate crimes legislation. I mean, he's there for us on a lot of very important issues, and he deserves more credit than I think he sometimes gets. Yeah, so thank you very much, Senator Specter and uh, Harkin and Kennedy and all. Steny Hoyer, you are awesome, and so are you, Jim Sensenbrenner. All of you, thank you so much. We'll talk about this more when we come back, but right now we're going to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back with Andy Imperato. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com 
you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We're talking to Andy Imperato, CEO of AAPD and Freedom Fighter for All Americans with Disabilities. You know... I want to talk a little bit more about the ADA Restoration Act, but before I do that, um, I want to mention that uh, Dr. Frank Bowe passed away, and I know that uh, AAPD, if you go to their website, had something out about that if you want to read more about him, but he was truly a great disability leader and a great leader for the deaf community, and he just passed away, I think it was on Friday. Andy, do you want to talk about that? I do, and I appreciate the opportunity. I think one of the things that's important for us to do in the disability community is to recognize our history. And Frank Bowe is somebody who was bringing together a a very strong and active cross-disability coalition back in the 1970s. Uh, He had an organization called the American Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities, or ACCD, that was very involved in getting the regulations for Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and really fighting some of the important early battles that laid the foundation for laws like the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, you know, Frank is somebody who was deaf but who had a vision for the disability community that was much broader than the deaf community. And, you know, he was a bridge builder. He was a coalition builder. He was a really phenomenal thinker, did a lot of uh, writing in the disability arena, wrote a, a very important book uh, about, you know, the status of people with disabilities in the U.S., and really right up until the moment he died, it was very unexpected for a lot of us that have worked with him that he died at age 60. But right up until the moment he was he died, he was on the cutting edge of disability policy and really helping us to think about the issues that were coming around the corner for our community. So I, I put him right up there with Justin Dart and Ed Roberts as a really important pioneer in the disability movement, and it's a huge loss for the community. It is, and I think that Andy is so right that if we don't take time to also have our own history and celebrate the lives of our great champions, you know, we're not going to move forward. And if you go to aapd.com, you can read more about this. If you put his name into the uh, in, in Google, you know, you'll see all kinds of articles coming up because I know he was in the New York Times. Uh, but it really, take time to read about what he did. And I also want to say uh, for Andy and myself, to all of his family and friends, you, our thoughts and prayers are with you, but we certainly respect everything that he did and we won't forget. Andy, when we were talking about the ADA Restoration Act and how important that is, I was very saddened to see that the United States Chamber of Commerce is not supporting the ADA Restoration Act. Yes, uh, you know, we we circulated on our listserv a letter that they wrote uh, just in the last week opposing the ADA Restoration Act as it's currently been introduced in the House and, and in the Senate. And, you know, I think what's important, going back to the importance of knowing our history, it's important to know that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce actually supported the ADA the first time around. You know, and I, I give uh, President Bush 
former President Bush credit for really helping to keep the business community at the table and and uh, supporting the legislation when it passed back in 1990. And this law that was introduced uh, on July 26 is trying to fix problems that the courts created, and it would bring civil rights protections back to where they were in 1990. So for the chamber to come out strongly this early in the process and oppose the legislation, they're not honoring their history. They're not honoring their history of supporting the legislation the first time around. They're not recognizing all the positive impact that the ADA has had on the business community, and it's very frustrating for me, and we are strongly encouraging our grassroots activists around the country to weigh in directly with the United States Chamber of Commerce and let them know that this is unacceptable. And don't, you know, you're listening to the show right now. If you go to uh, AAPD, you can find this. And listen, here's what you need to do. Call your chamber and call the national chamber. Don't just think about it. Tell everyone you know to call and say, I am shocked and appalled you're doing this. I want you to support the ADA Restoration Act. Make that call. Don't sit back. Don't think, okay, other people will do it. You have to do it. And Joyce, you make you make a good point that it's not just the U.S. Chamber, but I think if people weigh in with their local chambers of commerce, the local chambers are probably going to learn from their callers that their national representatives made this decision without consulting them, and I'm hoping that some of the local chambers will be upset and will weigh in as the grassroots constituency with the national chamber and say, why are you doing this? Yes, that is what I'm hoping also. So don't remember. Don't sit back. Take action. And, Andy, we're going to be talking about several things you're really involved in, but I know that you have also been doing work um, in disability benchmarking for um, the employment community. Since we do have a lot of businesses that listen to this show, and and actually a lot of corporations use this show and replay it for their uh, lunch and learns and different events they have, why don't you talk about what you're doing for a few minutes? Sure, and I'll be quick, but I, I think that one of the things that um, is really needed in order for us to really move the needle in terms of employment rates for people with disabilities is for companies to get more strategic in setting goals and measuring their performance in the area of disability. So I had the opportunity to hear Susan Scott Parker, who runs the Employers Forum on Disability in the U.K. in London, make a presentation about a new benchmarking system that they had developed called the Disability Standard. And their system is really about measuring something that they call disability confidence. But it's basically the the capacity of an employer or a business or a government. You can do this with public sector and private sector employers. But it measures their capacity to interact with employees and customers with disabilities in a way where they're confident, they're knowledgeable, and they're comfortable. And, you know, so they're measuring things like how accessible is the website, how accessible are the facilities, are the employees well-trained, you know, how, are, how is money being spent around recruiting, uh, you know, any number of areas. So we've approached IBM and some other employers in the U.S., that, that many of whom have global operations, and we're working with them in partnership to develop a disability benchmarking system that could be embraced by the business community in the U.S. and ultimately outside of the U.S. And I really want to give IBM a lot of credit. They funded us to study what they were doing in London, 
and, and in other countries because there's another interesting evaluation system that's been developed in Ireland and we're learning about systems in other countries. And we're going to be moving into the pilot phase with IBM and hopefully two or three other employers uh, sometime later this fall. But I just really encourage your listeners to be on the lookout for this because I think if we do this right, it can really help employers set goals and measure their performance against those goals and help us really get beyond where we are now, which feels like very slow rate of progress. Mm. And you know what? That would be so awesome to have that. I mean, really, because instead of it being a guessing game, this is we're disability friendly. You know how companies, oh, yes, we're disability friendly, we're disability whatever. This benchmarking, that would be awesome. Well, and I think part of the challenge, too, is that we have all these awards that are given to employers in our space, but sometimes it feels like the awards are for one thing that the employer is doing right, but they're not looking systematically at everything the employer is doing. And what we're trying to do with this benchmarking system is look at everything from HR to marketing to product design and service delivery to corporate philanthropy, corporate social responsibility, interactions with shareholders. I mean, we're really trying to look at a 360-degree view of the corporation and looking across the board, how are they doing and where are the opportunities for them to improve in terms of how they're interacting with the disability community. I love that because I have to say you know, that I have met with different corporations that have been given many of these awards as being disability-friendly and best, best place to work if you're a person with a disability, that I meet with them and they start by telling me, well, you know, we haven't hired people with disabilities, and then I'm, of course, wondering, now, how did they get that award? What was that award based on? So, you know... Where the rubber meets the road is when you look at the whole picture. As Andy said, employment, accessibility, uh, commitment to the community, all facets. Where, how, what do you really do in human resources? What monies do you spend to find people with disabilities? That, that is awesome. So I, I hope, when do you think we would, we can hear more about that or any companies listening to the show? can hear more about that. Well, we're going to make a presentation about it at the U.S. Business Leadership Network Conference in Orlando in September, and we will have that presentation on our website the next day. So, you know, starting on September 25th, anybody who wants to read more about it, they'll see the presentation. And, again, I mean, we see this whole process as an open-source process. I mean, IBM has been very gracious. Whatever we do in this area, they want it to be transparent. They want it to be open for other people to give feedback. They don't want to be the only employer that's using it. So uh, we're going to be very open. We've got a lot of work to do between now and the 25th just to get that presentation the way we want it to be. But after September 25th, this information will be on our website, and we'll be moving into the pilot phase, hopefully with three or four employers. Uh, and, you know, our hope is that this will evolve over time so that it becomes a very significant management tool that's be, being used by most of the Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and, again, that's www.aapd.com. And before we go to break, I want to just mention about aapd.com. If you aren't a member, join. How, how much is the cost, Andy, to be a member? $15 for one year, $25 for two years, and we've got student discounts and discounts for people on limited income. $15. I mean, this is such a low amount 
to provide you with such great benefits and information. Take time, aapd.com. And also, if you're listening to the show today and you hear these great things that Andy is doing and that AAPD is doing, take time to write a check. It won't take that long. When you're thinking of who you want to send a check to, aapd.com. And with that, I'm going to go to break. We'll be back to finish the show with Andy Imperato, who is making a difference. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on voiceamerica.com. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show. Our guest today, who is celebrating his birthday, is Andy Imperato, President and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. And Andy, we have so many questions here, but I will ask you this one question from a listener in San Diego, uh, Thomas, who says, uh, Mr. Imperato, in your opinion, do you think in this presidential election, 
people with disabilities will be part of the platform, or do you think they will not be mentioned as they have not been mentioned in the past? Well, thank you. That's a great question and something that we spent a lot of time thinking about and trying to address at AAPD. As I hope your listeners know, we have sent questions to all the presidential candidates trying to get them to announce their platform regarding a whole range of disability issues. And to date, we've received responses from uh, Senator Clinton, Senator Obama, Senator Dodd, uh, Governor Richardson, um, and uh, former Senator Edwards. Uh, we have not received responses from the other candidates yet, although we haven't given up. We're still working on getting the responses. So if you want to see how the, the folks who have responded did respond, all that information is posted at our website at aapd.com. But the question really goes to what I see as, as an even more fundamental challenge, which is when the candidates are giving their stump speech, when they're giving their acceptance speech at the convention, when they're having their high-level debates you know, on television, are they talking about their disability platform and their disability agenda? And if you look at the 2000 and the 2004 election cycle, the answer was no. You know, notwithstanding the fact that, that, you know, Al Gore and George Bush both had disability platforms, they didn't talk about them during prime time. They didn't talk about them typically during their stump speeches. And the same thing was true in the 2004 cycle. So, you know, from my perspective, that's an indicator. And the indicator is that the folks that are working with the campaigns don't see the disability vote as a vote that is worth going after the same way that they go after seniors or women or, uh, you know, organized labor or, you know, the religious community or other organized political constituencies, gun owners. I mean, you name the constituency, most of them are getting mentions in the stump speech. When, it, when the presidential candidates say why they're running for president, they know that they need to talk about different constituencies that vote. And I think right now one of our biggest challenges is that people don't see us as a constituency that votes and they don't see us as a constituency that's responsive when they mention issues that are important to us. And I think we have a responsibility to change that picture. We have to demonstrate that we do vote, that we do care, that we do listen, and we need to put pressure on the candidates, and that's what we're doing. Well, and I hope that all of you also, as you're hearing Andy, can understand why registering to vote is so important. As I always tell, when I meet someone, I say, I don't care if you vote Republican, Democrat, Independent, I just care that you vote, period, because that's when we can move forward to these uh, different people running for president and say, look how many people we have. So, you know, really take that serious because it is so very important. And that is why, of course, as Yoshiko Dart frequently says, we need to continue mentoring and growing more young leaders in the United States for the future generation. And, Andy, I will tell you that one time I had someone on the show and a guest uh, email question was something to the effect of, you know, will we ever have new leaders? It seems like it's all the same people, you know, in the disability community. Uh, and there are new leaders. There definitely are new leaders out there, but, but we do have to keep working on this. You know, what's your opinion about that, Andy? Well, you know, I, I think that's one of the areas where um, 
I have the most fun, you know, in my job at AAPD. We have 18 college students with disabilities who we bring to Washington every summer. Eight of them work on the Hill for the members of Congress, and ten of them work in the executive branch doing information technology jobs. And I learn a lot from these these emerging leaders. Uh, you know, I just, from my perspective, for our movement to be vital, we have to be open to the energy and the ideas of the next generation of leaders. I think of myself as a second-generation disability leader. I graduated law school in 1990. I have personally benefited from the work that Frank Bowe and Judy Human and Justin Dart and John Kemp and all these early leaders did. And I feel like I have a responsibility to create opportunities for the next generation. When the APD board hired me to be the CEO, I was 34. You know, and from my perspective, there are people in their 20s right now who are going to be the heads of disability organizations in the not too distant future. And we have a responsibility now to mentor them, to cultivate them, to invest in them, to give them constructive feedback and to help them be the best that they can be. I have had amazing mentors throughout my career and I feel a personal responsibility to give back to the next generation of disability leaders and I encourage all of your listeners to do the same. Good, great. And you know, one way you can start getting involved is through Disability Mentoring Day that AAPD is the coordinator of, it, and it is the third Wednesday of every October. Do you want to talk about that for a minute, Andy? Yeah, and Joyce, you've been very involved with it from the beginning, and I really want to thank you for your support and your leadership. This is a really volunteer-driven program where we have over 300 local coordinators around the country who put on a one-day event in October this year, it's October 17th, where they have job shadowing activities where students and job seekers with disabilities spend a day with somebody who's working in a career that interests them. And, you know, last year we had 16,000 mentees participating. This is a big program that's happening all over the country. It also happened in 20 foreign countries last year because some of the national corporate sponsors wanted to do it everywhere they had employees, including in other countries. But, you know, from my perspective, it's really about getting a foot in the door, creating an opportunity for somebody to learn what it takes to be successful in a career that they think they're interested in. And the earlier we can have that happen in the life of a person with a disability, the better, because it can give them some direction and some motivation while they're still in school or, you know, if they're thinking about going back to school, make good decisions about what they need to do to get the skills that they're going to need to be successful in the career that they're interested in. And once again, if you go to aapd.com, you can get information on Disability Mentoring Day. And you know, even this week, I'm meeting with uh, at FedEx Ground with these great companies, Highmark, Bear, Mellon, uh, Lanxis, so many companies that are supportive of Disability Mentoring Day in Pittsburgh, but also in Delaware. We have had a great success with Disability Mentoring Day at uh, Computer Sciences Corporation with the teachers there, and it is so worthwhile. It is such a great program, but once again, it's a step forward for those young leaders you're talking about, Andy. Absolutely. Yes, one of them was in my program here in Pittsburgh and then asked if he could be on a paid, we have a paid internship here, which also includes high school students. And I said, absolutely. And, you know, he asked me one day, he said, you know what, 
you have good leadership skills. And he said, you really think I could make a difference? And I said, you already are, but yes, you can. So, you know, it, it is really a great way to get it going, but uh, we need to encourage more young people to, with disabilities to get involved. And I, I just hope the day we come that at the colleges and universities, just as there are groups for Hispanics or African Americans or the gay community, that there would be groups for people with disabilities. So, Andy, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Well, you know, it is the anniversary of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, so I'll give you my favorite Martin Luther King quote, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Yes, and isn't that a great quote? Well, I will tell you, we end with a quote from a great civil rights leader. So our quote today is, of course, from... Mr. Andy Imperato, I'm a person with a psychiatric disability. I graduated from law school the same year the ADA became law. And for me, the ADA gave me a way to think about my disability as a source of strength, as a source of identity, and as a source of pride, not as something to be ashamed of. And isn't that what it's all about? Andy, thank you so much for being our guest, and we all wish you a happy birthday. Thank you, Joyce. All right, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.